Welcome to another exciting edition of Near Mint Comic Radio, your local comic shop shrunk down, gamma radiated, and aired live every week only on the Non-Productive Network, the only place that would have us. I'm your host, Frank, joined in studio, as always, by Pete. Hi, Frank. Hi, Pete. On Near Mint, we rank and review comics from best to worst. That's Mint, Near Mint, good, fair, and poor to you newbies. And try to guide you in what to read and what might be better to avoid. So, this None of week, what he said is a lie. Yeah, it's technically not a lie. Hooray! Mm-hmm. Technically true. Huzzah! Um, uh, yeah, we have some exciting books uh, to cover uh, this week. I actually had I followed a personal th- uh, theme. Oh, yeah? Yeah, for no good reason. I just decided I'm going to theme this week for my own brain. Uh, and it's actually a play off of last week's uh, reviews. If you haven't z- uh, listened to this episode yes. yet, you can you could go onto the non-productive.com website and find it. It is not necessary for this episode. Speaking of last week's reviews, Frank, right. uh, last week you reviewed Star Wars Age of Republic Obi-Wan. Yeah, yeah Obi-Wan 1. Yeah, Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan 1. one, one. Okay. And we, we were talking about how, how weird and awkward that title was. Not just the Obi-Wan 1 one, but yeah. the, the Age of Republic, yeah. I did a little bit of... I was intrigued by uh, by your review, so I went and I, I looked up the book and then did a little bit more digging. And what I realized is that this is part of a series of one-shots that Marvel is doing. Oh, so there's no Obi-Wan 2 coming? There shouldn't be. Interesting. Not, that... not the... Uh, and the fact that it's Age of Republic is important, because what they're doing right now is they're doing three waves of one-shots. One, the first one is Age of Republic, followed by Age of Rebellion, oh. followed by Age of Resistance. Oh, all right. So they're, they're kind of dividing it into the three Periods. sets of movies. Yeah. It took me a long time to realize that the most recent Star Wars movies uh, are Resistance, not Rebellion. Oh really? Yeah, I don't know why I was that stupid. I may have rem- I may have realized that at the time, but I forgot again. And then when I when I guess Last Jedi came around, I'm like, oh yeah, it's slightly I, different. I remembered feeling that it was very awkward and like, yeah. yeah so why why did we change it? Yeah, I the, guess because I guess because the the First Order is not in power per se at the beginning. Then what are you least? resisting? You're resisting the. Where you're resisting their attempts to gain power it seems almost like your new republic but you at that point yeah well, maybe not you're different somehow yeah, yeah I never quite it followed very murky and i i still don't quite like the 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 lack of articles in age of republic yeah. it seems weird but it, whatever it, it works better age of republic really does not work that well mm-hmm. age of rebellion and age of resistance work a lot work better. A better yeah Especially uh, they're all ours. I wonder if I have to modify my review now, because if there really isn't an Obi-Wan 1, 2, no, that's an not Obi-Wan it. Obi-Wan 2. Obi-Wan 2, then I don't know if I would have given it as high praise as I did, and I don't really? think I gave it very high praise. <laughs> I, I don't know, it just feels like it didn't really end on a, like, and we all know how this story goes. Uh, yeah. I, nah, it's, I, if, listen, if you wanted to read this book, you're going to get the book. Yeah. That, that's probably the worst thing a reviewer can say. <laughs> like, hey, you don't care what I got to say. But, uh, yeah. I read the, uh, I read the other ones that, uh, that were, that have also already come out. Uh, there was, uh, Age of Republic Qui-Gon Jinn. Oh, yeah. And a Age of Republic Darth Maul. Mm. Both of which are... Okay, serviceable. You know, yeah, they're they're good. They're, they're things. The they're, art is not little stories in that. Yeah, and there's a uh, another one that came out today that I didn't have a chance to read because I was reading other stuff, but I will get to it. Age of Republic Django Fett. <laughs> oh, all right. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. So I Django guess this is before the beheading. Yeah. All right. There we go. <laughs> that, that's where I was getting. Like, at what point <laughs> is it just this? Oh, I would love to read that. This is Django be- heads uh, Yorick uh, uh, <laughs> to, to Bobo. Yeah. Or Boba's Yorick to. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I get you. Yeah. Yeah. He's the severed head. You know what the- I didn't realize mm. until I saw Aquaman? What, what? I did not realize that uh, that Aquaman and Boba Fett are brothers. Aquaman and Boba Fett are brothers. All right, because Django is both their dads. Really? Yeah, the guy that played Django Fett All is right. the uh, father in Interesting in Aquaman. Wow. He that was a while ago. Man, you forget how long ago <laughs> the prequels were. If he's old enough to be, mm, yeah. Yeah, he looks pretty much the same. Oh yeah, I guess so. He he's not he's not going to be Aquaman's dad as a thirty year old man. <laughs> he's like, hey, Aquaman's dad no. was he? I didn't see well, I yet. mean, like, they, I I don't know if they bothered to de-age him mm. for the beginning spot where it's before Arthur's right, born. Right. Yeah. No, I don't think they're throwing that. But those special effects. On yeah. Everything. He, he 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 didn't need the man has aged well. I don't man. There's something weird uh, every once in a while. Usually while driving on the road and stuck in traffic, it'll occur to me that they made a Justice League movie. (laughs) And then I, being a huge geek, big DC fan, would have lived my, like, would have, like, if I could tell young Frank about this, he would explode in joy. They're actually making a Justice League movie? And I have never seen it. Mm -hmm. I have not even, I keep forgetting to see it. That's weird. Yeah. They, I always, you know, Criticize Grant Morrison as the guy who killed Batman and nobody noticed. Yeah, yeah. But all all of DC movies is and Warner Brothers movies is behind making a Justice League movie that nobody noticed. Yeah, I, I mean, I listen or actively tried to forget. I'm I'm not sure. Feel free to comment and leave your angry hate mail if you're DC fans. And I I'm with you. Like I don't. It's not a. I'm not coming at this from a place of hate. I'm coming at a place of, and it may just be saturation. Maybe there's so many movies out that I just didn't have a chance to. Uh, I'll give you that. Maybe that's why it was. But for some reason, I just keep forgetting. Aquaman is where I want to get back on the horse, but also Wonder Woman is where I want to get back on the horse. Mm-hmm. There may have literally been a horse in that, was there? Probably. I think so. It was so. World War One. There was horses everywhere. Yeah, of course. From according to uh, Toby Maguire's War Horse. Yes. Was he in that? Did I guess right? I think so. All right. Good. Sure. Thank you. Let's go. I, I will. I, I do recommend uh, Wonder Woman and Aquaman. Oh, yeah? They're both yeah. good? Yeah. I, I think they sounded good. And I, I think I I might even like Suicide Squad, despite the fact that nobody... It's not yeah. awful. Yeah. But I, I think the, uh, the spoiler-free review I had for Aquaman was that future generations who have not who, who this is their first exposure to Aquaman mm-hmm. are not going to understand why we hate on Aquaman so much. <laughs> That's great. It's going to be completely awesome. Like, why, why do you think this is a sucky character? That is awesome. And there is a very narrow window. I mean, it got bigger and more self-referential, mm-hmm. but Aquaman only got flack for what, like super friends and then things that spun off of super friends, yeah. memories of super friends. Yeah, pretty much. Right. But like that, I mean, know, I, I honestly, I'm not sure. I, I, I don't know, I haven't read much of the Silver Age Aquaman books, but they did seem pretty silly, but yeah, not I don't know, much more, more silly than Superman or Batman. At, and of Crazy the Quilt. You know, like, yeah, <laughs> I think if you're, like, your superpowers being king of the ocean, if your setting is primarily in the ocean, I guess it's really just in the Justice League where 
Aquaman seems like a sore thumb because yeah. you know everybody's in maybe in space or fighting things that aren't in the ocean, and, and you then have there's to come Aquaman. up with reasons for Aquaman to yeah. be involved here, which which primarily happens in Super Friends, where like they don't even care. Yeah. In like the Justice League animated series, you, Aquaman isn't on every adventure. Yeah, that that was how they resolved that. Uh, all right, so. Um, that's cool, and I'm glad we got a little bit of a movie review. Also, yeah. uh, Spider uh, Spider Man into the Spider Verse. We have a, a full episode about that. It was really Actually, good. Yeah, yeah, really so cool. Was the episode. All right, let's now stick to actual comics. Like I said, I have a I have a like a week theme for this week. Mm-hmm. Last week, I it was a you know New Year, new comics that are kind of old. I did Conan the Barbarian has returned mm-hmm. to Marvel Universe. I'm really psyched about him. Conan, 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 Conan. He's basically very progressive. He and other men are sharing the power. Power. Conan. Uh, no, Conan, I was a favorite He is a Conan with He-Man. Exactly. Both of them, they have a loft in Brooklyn. It's beautiful. <laughs> you would read that book. Uh, Conan is a favorite of mine. This return looks great. I really enjoyed what I read. On your recommendation, I have read, and I can confirm. Yeah, I, it was fun. I agree with you. Uh, so this uh, this week, I actually went back into the Barbarian Vaults, Ooh. and uh, I found uh, Turok. Turok. Oh, wow. Who, the, the rights on Turok are, are like legendary and crazy. Yeah. The uh, but, gentleman who hunts dinosaurs. Yeah. Turok Dinosaur Hunter is a dynamite property right now. Diamond just put out a new issue one, uh, which deals with Turok's origin, which I don't know if they've... I'm sure they've done it at various times during the comics history, but this is a character that's been around since the 50s. Yeah. In um, Acclaim Comics? It was some some comic... He was no. in Acclaim for a while, I believe. Yeah, actually, I think it was something else Valiant before. Also. Valiant, so it's. I think it started with Valiant, and then well, Acclaim, no, the video Valiant, game. That, that's right. Bought Valiant and changed the name of the company yeah. to Acclaim. I think that's the, well, that's pretty much the yeah, Valiant was Valiant was a 90s co- uh, comic company, so he didn't start off with Valiant. They were they were one of the ones that picked him up along the way and made him popular in the nineties. Ah, all right. So that might be what I'm trying to remember. A lot of the books I read this week are ones where the rights to the game or the, the <laughs> to the to the comic are are really like ancient and confusing. Um, the arcane rights. No, you'll, you'll <laughs> wait until you see some of the ones I'm, I'm pulling out. Uh, so yeah. Anyways, Torok, I think maybe most famous. Uh, for the video game that was out in the 90s by Acclaim, I think, uh, for the N64, mm-hmm. um, a revolutionary game. Everyone really liked it. Somebody tattooed the name of Torok on the back of their head or something, or they named their Possibly. child Torok. I'm it was sure. a big, like, stupid thing about the game, but this isn't about the game. Uh, the story is that Torok is a Native American dinosaur hunter, mm-hmm. and as far as I know from the games and from the uh, later comics, that's pretty much it. He's a time-traveling Native American dinosaur hunter. The, oh, and so he's, he's time-traveling. Yeah. And that's a key component. And he's trying to stop like some villain from having like an ultimate weapon. It's okay. very confusing. I've never read it. And I don't. I may have played the game occasionally over a friend's house, but I don't really remember much of it. I picked up Torok exclusively because of the cover art. There's a bunch of cool variants. Dynamite's doing a good job with the variants. There's a cover for everyone. <laughs> Um, and, uh, in it, you know, it's, 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 it's dinosaurs and comics, which I've been into since uh, William Stout, you know, yeah. like that is my bread and butter barbarians. Definitely. Which I mean, he's not quite a barbarian, but there's a lot of like shirtless and, 
you know, weaponry and fighting yeah. and bloody. It's very after much battle. the barbarian aesthetic. At least. Yeah, the, the aesthetic is there. Uh, and and actually, before I even picked up this issue, I didn't know Torok was a Native American um, dinosaur hunter. I thought he was a barbarian ty- dinosaur I, hunter just because of the shirtlessness. I thought he was a barbarian that kind of appropriated Native American dress ish. Certainly keeping with the 90s. I, I recall the feathers in his hair uh-huh. or something like that. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't realize that he was actually supposed to be. Native American. I guess because a lot of the art in the 90s didn't really draw him. He, yeah. he looked like a white dude. Yeah, and there, I mean, and a lot of this was like polygon art because it was approximating like the video game, right? And then well, also, it, and I'm not even sure what time period he was supposed to be in the original in the original material. Like, I do think he was a time traveler. It was some sort of period where he would fight dinosaurs. Yeah, so instead of me uh, aimlessly uh, <laughs> bouncing around what I think other uh, versions of the property were like, I'll talk about this book. Sounds good. So in issue one, Dynamite's uh, Turok, Dinosaur Hunter, uh, We uh, it's set in the 1800s in the American West. Uh, there is a band of... Um, um, uh, uh, white soldiers, I, I think they're Union soldiers, I don't remember, uh, who are, they've got a young Native American uh, who they're holding uh, prisoner, mm-hmm. uh, and they are looking to capture his older brother, who uh, they're, they're basically, they're, they're making them go to the reservation. Whether they like it or not, they're either going to go into the reservation or go into the ground. So mm-hmm. great storytelling from the start where like you don't really... Without any exposition, you know who the good guys and who the bad guys are, just from the way they're treating a prisoner and how, you know, the family ties of these two people going on. But very violent. Did not expect people to be shot by, killed by arrows in the first few uh, panels. But also a period piece, an 1800s period piece. It's it's cowboys and Indians, right? Effectively. Uh, at, in their escape, in the first few pages, uh, when uh, Turok does free his brother and they start to escape and they're being chased by this posse or this uh, military group, uh, they are. Uh, they find a portal, and yeah, they go through the do. portal. Actually, it's kind of cool for those of you who are. Um, uh, this is kind of where I wish Ken were here today. Um, <laughs> what's that? That movie with the cowboys and the dinosaurs? MST3K just made just season <laughs> eleven, I think. Started doing it. I was going to say ca- ca- cowboys versus dinosaurs. That would be great. No, no, no. no. Oh no, that was cowboys versus aliens. Yeah, uh, there's a cowboy I'm, dinosaur movie. Can you, can you remember? Uh, uh, I'm going to look it up. Oh, Guanji, Valley of the Guanji. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, I'm probably pronouncing oh, yeah. that wrong. Um, uh, yeah, so anyways, uh, it's similar where the, 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 the one group is chasing the other guy in the, in the foothills and then a raptor shows up and like when they start making lizards, the size of horses. And what's great is how a cool, how, again, the pacing and the storytelling is really tight. Um, the, the, the soldiers don't react the way a movie character might react to seeing a dinosaur. <laughs> they are like, wow, they grow them big out here. Which is funny and also, like, maybe realistic. A person from the 1800s is maybe less shocked that they see something unusual in nature, right? We kind of know. Yeah, we we know pretty much everything that we think is real. Right, exactly. But they're, you know, we're just exploring the West. Right, it's reasonable that the lizards we, out here are that you know, big. They, they, you know, they just discovered buffalo. I guess. Yep, <laughs> some certain people like, just discovered buffalo. Look, it's some sort of land cow. Right. It, uh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the land cow. Uh, 
So anyways, yeah, they, they then while they're escaping and they're being attacked by, by the dinosaur, they find the portal and then they're in like a prehistoric world. And I believe that's where issue one closes. So I love it. I mean, yeah. I, I like the Western. I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, Westerns and comics. I didn't expect that in this because I had no idea. <laughs> and I love dinosaurs and comics. And we got a little tease in there and it's right up that. So there's like two different periods of dinosaur art, right? You see modern dinosaur art. It's fast and aggressive and beautiful, really like you it's the maybe informed a little bit by Jurassic Park, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's like the dinosaur art I grew up with where brontosauruses are in the swamps. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And this had both. Oh nice. So I'm like I'm happy. I'm no feathered dinosaurs yet. No. So if you are gonna write letters, you know, be aware. Tyrannosaurus stands erect. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. He has a smoking jacket and a pipe. <laughs> That's how he was yeah. back in the 80s. That's yeah. how he drew him. Nice, uh, nice. But yeah, great. I mean, uh, it's it's early in the run, but I am excited uh, to read more of this. I'm going to go near mint for it. Mm. I would read more about it. Uh, I'm really interested to hear what... No, maybe I'm not. Am I interested to hear what, like, Turok fans feel about this book? <laughs> I don't want to crap on any kind of fandom out there, but, like, the last few years have been tough. <laughs> <laughs> they have been tough. When you find somebody who's really into something that you're just sort of like, oh, this is kind of cool. They're like, they tell you no. No, you like it for the wrong reasons. Yeah, maybe I'm liking this wrong. So uh, I think it's important that if you're reviewing with um, with Marvel and DC properties, with superhero books, mm-hmm. uh, you can like... I like to give like more generic reviews because you could come at this from any way. You could like goofy Batman or you could like gothic Batman or you could like, you know, serious, realistic Batman. And they're all in the same thing. So you kind of have to hit, you have to be careful about those things. But when properties are like titles that are, and in the rest of the books I have for this week, are very specific to a specific subset of fans... You got to at least try to say, what would the fans of this feel? (laughs) So I'm not quite sure what fans of Turok would feel, but I really enjoyed it. And if Red Dead Redemption 2 has anything, like if you like video games and authentic cowboy stuff, you'll like this too. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Now I'm kind of hoping that they do that on Red Dead Redemption 1. They did the zombie uh, expansion. Yeah. I, and now I kind of hope they do a uh, dinosaur expansion. Oh my god, that would be sweet. That would be amazing. That'd be really cool. Oh, wow. Well, you, you heard it, Rockstar. Yeah, you're you listening have, to this podcast. We you know. can have that one for free. Yeah, that one's for as free. As long then. as you make it. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. So the the other two properties I have to talk about today, uh, I know a little bit more about. Okay. So I think that'll be more interesting when we get there. But hey, it's your turn to talk. Okay, me. I'll talk about one, and I'll do I'll because I I'll, I've got a. Uh, a, a theme going with mine, not exactly the same as yours, but uh, I'm not even going to tell you what the theme is. I want to see if you can guess it at the end. Okay. Because um, th- this is this is kind of a, a theme that's in relation to me. Oh, all right. This is so getting I, personal. Uh, yeah. But I, personal I, I, with I, Big think I think you got a good chance of guessing it. <clears throat> but today, I read Zorro the Legendary Adventures number one. Interesting. We're we're going deep into the history yeah, books for the uh, for this review. Series. It kind of lines up with yours there. Uh-huh. Um, this is by a company I haven't heard of yet, American Mythology Productions, mm. and it's one of two uh, Zorro titles that they're putting out now. Uh, the other one being Zorro Swords of Hell, <laughs> which is apparently I, I didn't pick up an issue of this, but it, it appears to be 
a Zoro meets horror. I want. I'm, act, I'm it's all actually in. Zoro fighting demons. I'm all in. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I, I think I might have to pick it up. Yeah, uh, Zoro Legendary Adventures is slightly different in that it actually reprints old Zoro comics that have never been released in the United States before. That's interesting. So the the three stories in this book are actually from uh, Le Journal de Mickey, <laughs> uh, which was which came out in the mid seventies, and as you may have guessed yeah. by its its parent title, are based on the Disney Zorro from the TV series from the nineteen fifties. That's interesting. So these are comics based on a TV series from twenty years previous that's so weird man i am so fascinated by how disney comics are absorbed internationally because they are super popular oh yeah we're like talking animal comics aren't that huge here anymore for the most part in america anymore i should say uh but like uh that's interesting they're still big over in europe yeah yeah well this this is the 70s but still i'm honestly not sure where le journal de mickey I'm, and I'm pronouncing it like it's French, but I'm almost 100% sure it's some sort of... It was originally written in the Spanish language. Right. Uh, but I don't know where it came from. I don't know if it was Spain, if it was oh, all somewhere right. in Central or South America. Not sure. Okay. They don't really make that clear. Or at least I didn't find it. But these are translations, so it's a, it's a little... Uh, the, the writing isn't as smooth... As you might expect. And these also do read like they were written for kids, I think. Because the characters and the, sp- the plots are very simplistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they do nail the uh, the flavor of the old Zorro uh, TV show. Um, it's, very, it's very difficult to read at times. Because the panel layout on the page is kind of haphazard no way uh, uh, yeah it's not strictly left to right uh and occasionally they they'll give you very small arrows to point you to which panel to read next oh wow man this is so early they didn't even know how to like lay out a comic for you not really man it's the 70s yeah i know that's <laughs> odd it's very, uh, I don't know if they were be getting experimental or if it was released in a country where they didn't, they just knew how to that jump was, around. Yeah, that was secondhand to them. It was, right. it was not, where left to right was not as ingrained, left to right, top to bottom was not as ingrained for them. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, the, the uh, it's, it's, it's kind of tough to translate that now uh, because... A lot of the characters, their their character design and their dialogue reads as maybe just over borderline racist. I was I was gonna say so. Usually, books like this come out like um, like they're like art house prints. We're like, hey, you know what you're doing when you're reading this. This is it for like general entertainment. This is for historical purposes or what have you. Yeah. Did that come out that way? Um. Not, it did, not explicitly. Interesting. You know, it, it does, it does proudly proclaim that these are, are vintage tales. Uh, but, yeah, you, you kind of leave yourself scratching and it's like, eh, this guy with the 
poncho and giant sombrero with his handlebar mustache yeah. getting ready to take a siesta. It's it's a little much. But honestly, if you embrace it as, you know, just the way things were depicted back then, uh-huh. it's not too bad. You know, it what what is really great about it is seeing the archetypal characters uh, shining through. You can understand how these characters, and yes, these are this is Disney's take on the characters, but these characters are the inspiration for so many of the other comic book heroes. That oh we yeah, know. yeah, you know, the legendary Batman. Batman yeah. I mean, you and and I I didn't realize the degree to like Superman. Really, and his 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 alter ego is Clark Kent. How it's influenced by Don Diego de la Vega, Zorro's alter yeah. ego, who is bookish and the, the oh gosh, you know I, I don't know crazy. I can't do I, I'm not I'm not the sort of guy who would do that. Uh, it's interesting to see like I mean these were in the '60s, so maybe they were influenced by superhero comics too. But uh, yeah. you know you can't you can't ignore it, especially because it's such a big part, at least of Batman's mythos, right? Going oh, yeah. to see Zorro in the absolutely right. Well, which wasn't More always the case. It's not always Zorro, but it's yeah. often Zorro. It's like I'm not sure if it wasn't at the very beginning. I, I yeah, I don't know if because I don't specific. think Zorro was as big when when Batman's origin was first told. I do have some information about Le Journal de Mickey. Oh, good. Thank you. All right? So Le Journal de Mickey is a weekly French comics magazine oh, it established is in okay. 1934 and currently published by Disney. Mm-hmm. So it's still out there for Hachette Press, um, which is amazing. And like I said, these things still yeah. have legs overseas like in a, in a crazy way. I had a feeling it was pretty long-running and maybe weekly because... The issues these were plucked from were like 1,137. Yeah, no, I, I can imagine. It's like, wow, okay. But yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a very interesting slice of the time period. Yeah. And actually seeing how the time period translated across different times, countries, and languages. Right. I never watched the Disney Zorro show. I may have seen maybe one episode or bits. I, I recommend picking it up. It's very interesting. Uh, it, it's fun. It's full of white people with bad uh, Spanish accents, it though. It is. So warning. It really is. I, I was more of a Davy Crockett guy. Uh, I can understand that. I, I, I was Disney Channel. I think they showed Davy Crockett and Ed Zorro back to back. Yeah. So yeah, I would probably. sit there and watch the whole thing. Yeah, but, you know, when you only get it for the free Disney weekends, um, you only yeah, get so much. Uh, all right, so what do you rank yeah. the book? Um, you know what? The the time differences are a little difficult to overcome. If it weren't for that, I, and especially the reading order <laughs> of the panels, if it weren't for those two things, I would give it a, a near mint. But I'm I'm only gonna give it a good. All right, that's fair enough. And yeah. I, I, this has got to be one of those things that if you if you're interested in this sort of thing, mm-hmm. you're not picking up a, a, a vintage Zorro book yeah. because you like um, you know mainstream superhero. Comics. And if you loved the Disney TV show, you will absolutely love this. This would be a really cool gift for certain uh, certain yeah. fans for for the people that like wish there were more episodes of that. Right. This is it. 
All right, I'm going to combine my my next review. It kind of mixed together because one kind of led to the other. So while I'm I'm looking for uh, for the latest in barbarian stuff, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm looking through the shelves and all the the most naked of heroes, you know, yes. bare chested and and brawny and and vicious. Male, s- you don't want to wander into that. Other well. Section. Oh boy. Maybe I did a little bit. Um, also from Dynamite Comics. Uh, so this is interesting because I did not. I, it's, I'll, I'll give you the the origin of it. Uh, I, um, I first I saw this book on the shelf. I'm trying to find the exact title. Where's my copy? Here it is. Okay. So yeah, I, I see the cover and I'm like, this is really interesting. I don't know what it is. The first thing I saw was Vampirella meets Deja Thoris. Oh, my God. Issue number four just came out. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Uh, first of all, I didn't know. I, for some reason, I didn't know that Dynamite had Vampirella for a while. And Deja Thoris was like the tip of my tongue. I'm like, why does this sound so familiar? <laughs> the cover was very striking. Uh, there's a <laughs> bunch of... There was a lot of... Uh, uh, alternate covers for these books. Mm-hmm. The Dynamite's again doing it, and some of them are cosplay covers. So seeing like oh. a, when, when in the racks, you see a bunch of like illustrated covers, and then suddenly you see a real human being there. You're like it taken aback. Um, and I'm, I'm looking trying at desperately this, not to make blue jokes here. Yeah, and I'm looking at this, and I'm like, oh, there'll be room later on. And I'm like, interesting. But where's Deja, Deja Thoris? And I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. And I look into it a little bit, and I, I'll admit, I, for, I did not recognize the name at first, but she is the Princess of Mars. Edward mm-hmm. Edward Rice Burroughs, Princess of Mars. which I'm Friends I'm, with John Carpenter. Yeah, exactly. Uh, John Carter? Carter? Uh, yeah, John probably. Car- probably John Carpenter, too, the yeah, director. Yeah, he, he got to know her. Yeah, um, and, and that's probably why fresh, most fresh in my mind was from that the Disney movie from a few years ago that kind of went meh. Which I actually kind of enjoyed, uh, and I'm like, oh, okay, this is a weird crossover. It feels so weird referring to that as a Disney movie. It does, but everything will be soon. You're right. And I, I'm looking at, it, and I'm like, I don't know if I want to get into something on issue four. I could dig for issue one to three and see if it makes a good review. But uh, Vampirilla, I'm only like, like I kind of like, and it's it's very kitschy and weird. Uh, but while I was looking for it, I found also released recently, <laughs> Barbarella meets ah. Deja Thoris. <laughs> And then I'm like, what the hell is happening? Why are these, like, why these characters, what's going on? Are they all linked together? Blew my mind, did a little bit of research to figure it out, and there's really no other explanation than uh, these are dynamite properties. Dynamite got the rights to all of them, so. Uh, So uh, the first thing I'm going to review straight out of the back, the one that, uh, it wasn't the thing that got my foot in the door, but it is uh, a really, it was the one that I could get on issue one with, is Barbarella and Deja Thoris, number one. And uh, let me, so again, kind of glad Ken isn't here this week, because I didn't remember Barbarella that well. Like, I, it's a classic, it's legendary, but like, it's one of those movies where I don't know much about the source material, just by, and I even said it's one of those movies. It was a comic I, first. I was going to say, was there source material? There was, it was based on a comic, but I only know the movie, right? Yeah. And the movie, I mostly know because it was really risque for the time, because yeah. characters had sex um, basically like, that's really and wh- it. what was the plot of it yeah, it's yeah i don't remember yeah, I, it, and no. she was a she's from the future or like it is set in the future and she's part of the space 
command. She goes to uh, investigate this weapon that might be really dangerous and has sexy adventures. Mm-hmm. Right. That's basically the that that's it. Like, uh, this was an Italian comic, wasn't it? <laughs> probably. And Ford, you know, she's just it's just whatever. It was a, it, a classic movie, but not enough that it left a, a strong memory. And as far as Deja Thoris is concerned, like she is the princess of Mars in these somewhat dry pulp novels. I'm not not crapping on them, no. but it's not like it's something that is frequently in in media. Uh, and the last time I saw her, she was a genius scientist and also damsel in distress in a Disney movie yeah. that was maybe so-so, but I liked it. So I picked it up just to try it out. And let me tell you, it was hard getting through Ooh. those covers. Um <laughs> Specifically, like there, if there, if you think there's an issue with like scantily clad women and female uh, women in in comics, uh, the the classic breast butt pose, the <laughs> impossible twist, the things I kind of brought up a little bit last week with Conan and the whole the the sexism in yeah. these books, it's really hard to get through these first few issues. I you know all power to cosplayers out there, and I'm glad uh, you know it. it all power to the people who enjoy this kind of art and everything. Like, I, it's not a matter of judgment. It was a matter of, like, feeling kind of skeevy. Just picking it up. <laughs> I'm owning this. Fair enough. So, you know, I, ha- I have my reservations, but I'm, I'm going through the comic. And as soon as the actual story starts, we get through the, the, the some scandalous cover art. The art hits me like a ton of bricks. It's, it's really beautiful. Um, it's... Uh, uh, it's you just see this very alien looking alien the the narration is talking about how he knows he's going to die and he's waiting for the end to happen the lines are smooth the action is impressive the word the the way the words collapse into the panels are are fabulous after like two pages barbarella is the first to appear she looks fantastic she looks realistic she looks like she's beautiful she is a bombshell mm. definitely but she is not like she is not one of those panels that you sh- see on the on the internet where people are like, "This is why people women don't read comics." It's you not know? the cheesecake shot. Yeah, and the character itself is really well developed and really well um, uh, voiced. <laughs> yeah, I know there's a oh, pun man. there. No, I'm, I'm I wasn't even thinking that. I was actually thinking I had no idea Barbarella had a character to develop. She did, and apparently, like it's there in the movie. She is a scientist, but it's kind of buried under all the cheesecake, and there isn't that much cheesecake in this book. Uh, I'm, again, she's still in giant golden boots, and she's beautiful, and what have you. But like, she speaks so eloquently and confidently, and and caringly. Uh, the first thing she basically does in the in the book is uncover a body, and she's talking to the body like, you know, I wish I had known you, and, uh, you know, I, I was a big admirer of your work and all that. And I'm like, this is amazing. Wow. This is so well done. It's It was like, it was as if the covers existed, and no, no insult to the cover artist, or even the, the one of them, again, it's a cosplay cover, and she costs play cover and she looks great as the role. There's nothing like scandalous about it at no. all, but it just, it was enough where I felt a little guilty for picking it up, which yeah. is maybe partially the intent, but it also almost was a barrier for me to say, I'm not going to read this because, uh, instead when I just put it aside and read it, it was fabulous. Um, 
As for Deja, Deja, maybe Deja. I think it's Deja because it's a Deja Vu joke. I think so. Uh, Deja Thoris. She. It's. It's very hard to make her costume ever make sense. She's <laughs> definitely described in the books as being half naked all the time. Well, it makes sense if you're from Mars. I guess. And but the thing is, everybody else is also dressed awkwardly around her. Also, kind of half naked. They kind of. And again, compared to the cover art, it's. It feels organic, yeah. not just because she's half naked. Uh, it feels natural, not just because she's half naked. But like the whole, like it's it's the white elephant in the room, the white ape in the room is like these characters are you know presented in a very cheesecakey way. But in the book, it's all done straight and fun. It's really really interesting. Um, I cannot wait to read more about this, more of this. Like I've, it's been a long time since I've read a book where character voices are all so distinct and interesting, and yeah, oh, wow. just fabulous all the way through. I really can't. I highly recommend. It's a dynamite book for their teen uh, subprint, I guess, because it's uh, it's a little scandalous in a way. Uh, writer Lee Williams, illustrator Jermaine Garcia, and it is fabulous. I will give this. A mint. Wow. Minty yeah. fresh from Frank. Yeah. So I'm going to throw it back to you, <clears throat> but just as a teaser for what my final review will be is, I eventually did find the first three issues of Vampirella meets <laughs> Deja Thores, and my review might be slightly different. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, Frank, die. Oh, Die issues one and two from Image Comics mm. are uh, my my next uh, review. Uh, Ken's gonna be so annoyed with us because this is the week we all read non Marvel DC books, and he's usually <laughs> the one who's like, "All right, I'll." Re- yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. No. This is the new one from uh, from Kieran Gillen, who. Uh, oh, nice. I was first uh, introduced to from his excellent run on uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. That made me a Guardians of the Galaxy fan before they were popular. Ooh, uh, they were cool. Yeah. Now we'll get to hipsters later. All right. In my next review. Interesting. <clears throat> uh, but uh, Die is uh, the art, by the way, is uh, by Stephanie Hans. Very good. Uh, and Die is near and dear to my heart, and I think you'll appreciate it too, because it has everything to do with tabletop role playing games. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, and it's it the 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 building blocks of the story are very familiar. Six uh, six teenagers uh, get sucked into a role playing game. Yay! Portal fantasies! Hooray! <laughs> um, eh, kind of. And two years later, five of them return, but they're completely unable to say anything about what happened to them. Flash forward 25 years later, and they're suddenly sucked back in, or faced with the choice of whether to get sucked back in to the game. Interesting. Um, So yeah, in in a lot of ways, it's kind of Jumanji, almost in reverse, but it's it's dark, not not overly dark, but it, it, it is pretty dark and gritty. I hate saying dark and gritty. Right, but it because it, it's not '90s dark and gritty. Right, but it it, it is a it's dark not extreme. Gritty, no, it's definitely no. not extreme. The 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 
key to this one is the realism, the emotional baggage that all of the characters have. And this is apparently based on, or inspired by, Kieran Gillen's own ex- uh, experiences as a teenager. <laughs> in, a, in a portal fantasy yes. where he uh, where he's partially raised. Interesting. No, play, playing the... Uh, and the, the, the group is self-proclaimed uh, elitist, RPG elitists. You know, they, 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 they hate the, you know, 10 by 10 room orc holocaust. Really? That's interesting. They're, they're looking for... It, it, as a matter of fact, when the game is initially introduced to them, they immediately recoil at the fact that it's a fantasy role-playing game. Like, oh, we don't want to play that. This is interesting because this is definitely like second wave D&D nostalgia. Or not D&D, role-playing game nostalgia. Yeah. Whereas like first wave would be, look at these kids and Stranger Things who are playing D&D. Like we all did. Yeah. But like a lot of us were kids who played White Wolf. You know, like it was a little different. These, these are the kids who like are kind of getting sick of playing GURPS and find it too mainstream. Oh, man. <laughs> They're, they're, honestly, the, the teenage versions of them are somewhat insufferable. Good. That's reasonable. Um, but yeah, it's there's a lot of uh, interplay between the way the teenagers saw the world and the way the, they see it as adults. And they're also it, there's also a lot of play with how these adults who have who have really screwed up lives uh, in the real world, how they deal with being sucked into a fantasy world that was created by teenagers. <laughs> That's actually really funny. You know, in, 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 one, uh, in one scene in the second issue, they run into an elf princess who was based on the, mm. uh, the popular girl from school. Oh no! That was two years ahead of them. That's that's not that. that those alarms you're hearing in the background are actually uh, for that. Yeah, yeah but they they deal with that. You know how awkward this is. Yeah, and it's it's a very interesting uh, look at the psyche of gamers and by extension everyone how how many issues was uh, did you read two of them the, the only the two, two that have come out. out yeah the second one actually just came out uh the day we're recording this all right what do you what so, do you rank uh, it i have no reason not to give it a mint all right I that's awesome yeah i'm gonna give it a mint it's like it's I, a very weird way of phrasing it but all right it's like, i i don't know if i'm in love with the book yeah i have no reason not to give it a uh, a, a mint it's, I, I'm not 100% sure I'm in love with the book yet, but I can't find anything wrong with it. Uh, right. And I, I, I just can't bring myself to demote it to a near mint. But you also like the concept enough. I mean, it's more yeah, than just like, I Yeah, the concept is very good. All right. Cool. I'm, it's I'm telling you, book. I'm picking it up because this is this hits all my buttons. It. This definitely hits all my buttons. Of I love... Um, and I've told many a story in a role-playing game set in a world where you're in a role-playing game. Yeah. Oh, cool. I think you're going to like it. All right. My last one is, uh, my last review this week is going to be, well, like I said, Vampirilla uh, Deja Thores, I guess. It's not meats. <laughs> they don't make they don't make it fun enough to say it's meats. You know what <laughs> I mean? Or even, or verses or anything. 
Um, Vampirella, Deja Thoras, it's been out, there's a couple of months of this already. I think they're on issue four recently. I got the first, I think, two or three issues all the way through. Uh, I don't know if I made it all the way through four. Um, <laughs> it's, um, so I had, follow me here, saw this book, said, what is going on? Did a little research, discovered there was another similar title, right? There was a Deja Thora, Thoris, um, Barbarella. Picked that up, loved it, despite what I expected. And then I picked up these books. Oh, Frank. Yeah, I, um, I'm making it sound like it's worse than it is. It wasn't terrible, but the breath of fresh air that was the Barbarella crossover was not this. This no. was okay. uh, you got two characters who are largely cheesecake through most of this. Uh not really played over the top throughout the book, but like, you know, it, it, they're just really weird sci-fi concepts. Where Barbarella they they shaved off the weirdness and you could go weird with Barbarella. It, it, think of the movie. There it was yeah. so um, extreme that it became kind of a parody, kind of a joke almost. It's a yeah. sci-fi comedy in a way, not really, but it's it's, no, it's I, absurd enough. Uh, where this one, like you couldn't bury the uh, how absurd it is. Um, the princess is, you know, she's got all the right ideas and she's she's gonna go, gun uh, gun ho into uh, saving the day, and Vampirilla lands on uh, Barsoom in her <laughs> Vampirilla outfit because of course she is. And she's from the planet of Dracula. She's like, it's like, it's such a goofy, goofy thing. But it's not played for laughs, so it felt weird. Yeah. Uh, the basic premise is that um, a space v- vessel is found in the skies of Barsoom, which is unusual. And it is coming crashing towards Earth. And then they went, uh, actually, the princesses go on her own to investigate it so as not to uh, alert rival nations about this potentially disastrous thing that's coming. And when she gets there, she uh, encounters a bunch of white apes and starts to fight them and is about to lose when the vessel opens up and Vampirilla appears bloodthirsty (laughs) and helps her defeat the white apes. And it sounds like that's a lot more fun than it was. It was kind of cool, but it wasn't super. It wasn't like the two of them fighting side by side. It was one being sort of awed by the other. (laughs) And uh, the basic premise is Vampirilla's people... Uh, who are all vampires, have all decided to build vessels, according to her design, to escape their planet that's running out of blood, uh, where blood occurs naturally on the planet in rivers. Uh, And they are going to crash land on Barsoom, as she did. And as she did, they they did the math wrong and did not have enough blood in reserve to feed themselves on the way. So they're going to crash bloodthirsty. Uh, and you know it's up to Vampirilla and uh, and Deja to to sort of get people to I don't know find blood for the vampire <laughs> people who are coming or else they're all gonna die. It's very weird. It's it's interesting. It's deeper in the basic mythology of Barsoom than we have seen. I think that's a that's actually an. A, advantage to the Barbarilla story where they kind of went to a, like a portal journey and they, they both went through a doorway to another neutral universe yeah. that you have to explain to everyone. This one kind of makes you feel like you have to learn a lot about Vampirilla's world and then learn a lot about Barsoom and then you don't really care because both of these are written at a time where like the sci-fi-ness wasn't that strong. Yeah. It's it's really kind of amazing how uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs' Mars seems 
completely normal and matter of fact when you put it next to the the planet Dracula or yeah. Draculon or whatever. Yeah, something, I forget what yeah, it is. Yeah, it, it it's hard. It's hard to follow because like, it because care about Burroughs Mars is nuts. Yeah, it really is, and it gets even more nuts. They go deep into the nuts. It's not. It's not a like if you were watching the Disney movie recently and you or somewhat recently and you're like, there's a lot to learn. Yeah, yeah, it's still there. <clears throat> uh, so yeah, not as not as good as the uh, Barbarella oh. story at all. Uh, art is serviceable. It's it's fun. If you, I mean, if you like Vampirilla, you're gonna want to. This is a this book gives you Vampirilla the way she is. Oh, yeah. Um, and they kind of make light of the whole how whether or not uh, Barsoom is more prudish than Dracula in dress. <laughs> so I'm like, at least you kind of you nailed it there. Um. I'll tell you this. It gives me an idea for a horror story. Oh boy! Uh, and this story, because one of the ne- one of the things is that theoretically, Vampirilla's people are not necessarily bad. They're just going to be landing starving, and yeah. the things they eat are other people. Yeah. So what's interesting about this is that same thing happened to Vampirilla. She lands, she eats a little bit, and that's what clears her mind, and she's actually able to help. Uh, Deja in this story. So I'm like, well, that is sort of a classic zombie tale in reverse. Zombie stories are like, you've got a bunch of people, you're the last human survivors, and zombies are coming, and every person you lose to attrition to the zombie hordes becomes another soldier in the enemy army of zombies. What this story uh, presents is that you are humans or whatever, and and you're you've got surrounded by these bloodthirsty vampires. But if you recover one vampire, if you make them better by giving them a little blood or something, and they'll turn around. And they help turn you. around and help you, theoretically. And I'm like, that's interesting. That's a re- that is a reverse zombie story. Yeah, uh, I don't know if they're ever going to play with it. <laughs> it's, no, <laughs> four issues in. Uh, I'm going to give this a a. Good, a good. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, it's really right on the edge of of fair. fair. Yeah, because I didn't really enjoy it, but I'm. I think, like I said at the start of this episode, with these small audiences, you got to decide if this, if you're a Vampirilla fan, will you like this? And I think you probably have a better yeah. chance of liking it. What if you're one of those hardcore Deja, Deja Thoris? I don't know, because they're definitely uh, they're there? Princess of Mars and like. John Carter of Mars fans out there, but I don't know if they've ever really attached themselves to any one comic version of <laughs> of those classic books. Yeah. So I, I think you're. I don't know. You know it's a toss up. Okay, so I've got one more book to review, and uh, unlike everything else we've reviewed this week, this is actually more mainstream. All right. Uh, so what I uh, what I read was Young Justice number one. <laughs> That's hella mainstream. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, let's get this. Frank, let me, let me first ask you. Have you figured out what my theme is? All right. Let's see. Let's recap quickly. Zorro. Zorro. Um, die. Die. And Young, and Just- young Justice. Um, oh. Die is what's throwing me off. Is it um, teenagers or young people? Annoying young no, people? No, no. I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a hint. It's not what it is. It's what it's not. Not Marvel. Exactly. Oh, wow. A week of no Marvel from me. Oh, yeah, Big Weird. Papa Pete, no Marvel. Wow, that's no, crazy. I figured I'd try something else for the new, something new for the new year. Yeah, and so far but. you've gotten one mint and one. Uh, I think it was a good, right? Yeah, good. Yeah, all right. So not bad. Yeah. But uh, Young Justice number one is uh, by Brian Michael Bendis. 
Well, so this is kind of Marvel. And it's the yeah. first entry in his uh, Wonder Comics imprint for I'm DC. I'm really curious about what Wonder Comics ends up being. Yeah, DC has, uh, has given Brian Michael Bendis his own imprint, uh, a la Neil Gaiman's Sandman Universe. I guess, which sure. Neil Gaiman, I don't think, is He's invo- really involved yeah. in yeah. that much. Uh, but it's this own little pocket of the DC universe. Not quite an ultimate because it's still part of the main universe, right? I think. I think so. This does seem to be really like playing loose with that. Because I don't. I'm unclear as to where any of these characters fit in in the post New Fifty Two world. Right. It's like I was only familiar with Young Justice from the. Early late nineties, early two thousands version of the comic book, and I lost track of what happened to the characters. Uh, but yeah, the, the uh, just to talk briefly about the Wonder Comics imprint. Uh, the the promotional materials say that I quote. Wonder Comics is a pop-up imprint that will be a boutique collection Ugh, of exceptionally well-crafted comics that reflect our deep love and affection for these characters and this am- amazing medium. Artisanal comics yeah. for your home range grass-fed needs. So I, 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 I read that as, okay, we're marketing mainstream comics to hipsters. Sure. Uh, but, okay. Okay, whatever. It's going to consist of Young Justice... A reboot of Dial H for Hero. Another reboot of Dial H for Hero. Uh, a Wonder Twins comic. All right, I'm in. Which I'm, could I'm, be interesting. Today I learned I'm a hipster. And a, uh, an interesting uh, title called Naomi. Right. That, uh, that deals with a, uh, a, who, someone who appears to be a, a, a normal teenager, I guess, who may, ha- may or may not have a connection to... Jessica Jones. Yes, Right. No, so, some DC hero, mm. maybe. Don't know yet. I'm interested to see that. I'm interested in checking out all of them, actually. Mm-hmm. But uh, Young Justice number one. It's a, it's a comic for people who are already fans of Young Justice. That's really. fair enough. I mean, these are DC's yeah. properties are pretty iconic. If you like action, young heroes trying to be young and heroic and balancing the two. <laughs> Uh, at the same time, uh, or if you like late '90s style comics, uh, you'll probably have a good chance of getting into it and being intrigued by the characters. I'm not sure. I, I, I think if you have no, none of those, you tick none of those boxes. I think you're going to have a hard time getting grabbed by this. It is a pretty good story. Uh, it inv- it involves uh, the characters from Gem World. Uh, if you remember Princess Amethyst, no, kind of a Shira ripoff, uh, homage maybe Shira mm-hmm. homage. All right, um, from the eighties in DC that was rebooted uh, right after the New Fifty Two came out, uh, and I think lasted for maybe twelve issues. Uh, but her, that the world of that uh, is invading the DC universe, um, and it it actually ties into the idea of DC Comics crises. Good uh, that they 
they have re- realized that there have been seven crises. Yeah, I'm glad that they're that acknowledging happened. it. Yeah, and they're specifically tied to Earth and people on Gem World, which is a, a pocket dimension or whatever, realize that every time Earth has a crisis, their world gets altered in ways they don't understand and through no control. Like they have just because Earth is next to them, their whole world is getting shifted every time Earth has one of these crazy crises. Mm-hmm. I feel the same way whenever my neighbors have a party. Yeah, yeah. that's basically what it is. Yep. And they decide to, and, and you know, this is you gathering up your entire family and going to tear down your neighbor's house because of that. Right, and which I am no longer allowed to do. I know, but, I know. Uh-huh. Ordinances. But yeah, that's, uh, that's it, and it's, uh, it's the Young Justice crew coming back together. Uh, we get a couple of new characters, like Ginny Hex. Okay, cool. Uh, who... Uh, we're guessing is the daughter yeah. or granddaughter of Jonah Hex. Right. Uh, a character calling herself Teen Lantern, uh, who we don't actually see outside of a uh, a Green Lantern energy type construct. Oh, really? Yeah. This is all very quick action. Who is the here. X-Men armor am I thinking of? Yeah. All right. But we don't actually see through. With armor, you can see oh, you her can't through see this. Anything. You can't see anything. That's neat. As a matter of fact, I, I only know to use the pronoun her because of promotional materials. Oh. Um, and classic uh, Young Justice characters, uh, Robin, Tim Drake version, mm-hmm. uh, Wonder Girl, and uh, Bart Allen, Impulse. Mm-hmm. Who is super excited that Young Justice is getting back together? <laughs> Good. It, it, it was actually really refreshing to read uh, Impulse again. That's fun. He he was a lot of fun, and all of this is somehow tied to the return of Connor L, aka Superboy. Oh God, oh that's gonna be yeah. interesting, and maybe so, terrible, possibly, but maybe great. Don't know. We'll yeah. see. So I, I have no idea how this ties into the main DCU. So not as a full storyline, because obviously... You know obviously I, not. We've only got one issue so far. Uh, I will rate this as a fan of the old Young Justice. I'm going to give it a near mint. Nice. Good. I don't I'm have glad. quite enough... There wasn't quite enough story to give you a, a full, okay, I like where this is going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... It's enough to get you hooked and mm-hmm. go on to the second issue. Sounds good. Well, we hope we got you hooked and that you would rank us a mint or give us a five-star review on iTunes and other podcatchers out there. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell your neighbors before you tear down their home. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back with another episode next week. And, uh, you know, during the downtime, why don't you listen to one of the other fine episodes on the non-productive.com network. Thank you all. They're all quite inexpensive. Yes, they're free. Why, that's the most inexpensive you can get. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep, cheap. This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer, Frank Hablaoui. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com.